Welcome to the Ocean Grove Camp Meeting Association's podcast. In Mark 16, 15, Jesus says, Go throughout the whole world and preach the gospel to every person. This Bible teaching was given in the tabernacle in Ocean Grove, New Jersey. Visit OceanGrove.org to learn how we are fulfilling our mission to provide people of all ages with opportunities for spiritual birth, growth, and renewal through worship, educational, cultural, and recreational programs at the Jersey Shore. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Bible Hour on this beautiful Saturday. We're going to start with a call to worship, which is Psalm 43, 1 through 3, and it says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, this scripture tells us we are not to fear if you are our refuge and strength. We learned this week to acknowledge whatever fear we have to you, Lord. We also learned that as long as we are alive, God has something for us to do, God's plan for each of us. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to breathe your power into me and into all of us. The more we are renewed, the more we grow. Lord, I, and hopefully everybody here, wants to know you better. I want you to live in my thoughts and in my actions, and for me to understand you better. Please help me with that, and even if sometimes I don't understand your words, your teachings, or your ways, help me to put all my trust in you. We in Ocean Grove live near the heart of the sea, like in the verse. We experience the roar and foaming of our ocean. Let the strength and power of our waves pour over Ocean Grove with love, encouragement, and a desire for us to further your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. So if you've, been, if you've been here all week, you know we've had some fabulous um, teaching going on from Pastor Jim. In my home church, we sometimes say I'm a grateful and growing believer, and um, Bible Hour gives me, you, all of us, many opportunities to grow. So I want to thank you, Pastor Jim, for your teaching this week, and I really personally liked all the questions, the probing questions you asked us to ponder, like, how well do I really know God, and am I at a plateau, and is there an attitude I need to change that sort of like goes to the heart like, uh-oh, I got to really look at myself. So thank you for encouraging us to do that. And your teaching has been insightful and encouraging to me and I'm sure everybody here. So thank you very much. Well, thank you, Gail. All right. Um, Boy, it has been such a pleasure to be with you all this week. This is our last time together, and um, it's sad, but uh, it's been rich. And so thank you so much for um, all the attention. You are a very attentive group, and I love the feedback. I love the shouts. I love the amens. I love the say-sos, whatever they are, you know, all that. Uh, just don't boo, please. Uh, and don't throw things. That's, that's always awkward. Um, I want to be like John Wesley, but not that much. Um, all right, well, I, I got a lot to say today, so let's jump into Ephesians chapter 4. What do you know? Um, we've been in this passage all week. It's, you know, even starting with Sunday, I uh, was you know, drawing your attention because I love this theme that you have put together from Ephesians 4.23, be, being renewed in the spirit of our mind. And so one of the phrases that we've used again and again is that we are renewed in spirit, right from that passage. We are renewed in spirit. That's the small s, spirit that all of us have. God made us with a spirit, right? You know, you've been seeing people walk around the Bridge Fest with these shirts that say, In His Image. Genesis 1.27. So we are made in the image of God, which means because God is spirit, we are spirit. And at this part of our life, we have a body, um, a human body on this planet. When we die, we'll get a new body in heaven or in hell, but the, the core of who we are is spirit. So we are made in his image. So we can be renewed in spirit 
by the Holy Spirit. That's, that's kind of our, our, our theme for the week. We are renewed in spirit by the Holy Spirit. And the way that happens is we are renewed in spirit by the Holy Spirit as we learn to breathe. And if you, you haven't been here, it may sound strange to you, I'm referring to the idea of spiritual breathing where since God is spirit, the Holy Spirit, the breath of God can breathe into us, empowering us, giving us the grace, the strength we need to live the Christ-like life. And literally, He's more like Christ as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So this, this idea of learning to breathe is so huge, so central. And as we breathe the Holy Spirit, He is helping us to know God. And knowing God for who He really is renews us. Getting rid of those caricatures, those distortions of who God is, replacing them with the truth. I'm going to talk more about this idea today. Getting rid of lies, getting rid of misperceptions, replacing them with the truth. And as we do that, we are renewed more and more. We become more and more like Christ. But the very first sermon I preached here this week, Sunday, I talked about this phrase, spirit of your mind. And I really haven't gone back to that the whole week. So today we're going to wrap it up by connecting the spirit of our mind. What exactly does that phrase mean? Because I'm not content just to memorize it and to repeat it. I want to know what it means. Amen? I, I want to get a hold of this truth. And as I told you Sunday when I first preached on this, this is a phrase that is a difficult phrase to translate. So people who are a lot smarter than me, uh, Bible translators who've got all this experience, have translated this phrase, the spirit of your mind, all, several different ways. And if you compare the NIV with the King James, the ESV, the NLT, RSV, you'll see all these different translations because they're trying to get at the meaning. When the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this phrase, what was the Holy Spirit thinking? When the Holy Spirit put these ideas, these words, these thoughts into Paul, what was the Spirit thinking? What was Paul thinking? And, and what does this language mean? So I, I said to you on Sunday, I think the New Living Translation gives us the best understanding of what this verse means. So let me read it out of the NIV, and then I'll read it in the New Living Translation. Verse 23, to be in the attitude of your minds. And if you compare that with the ESV, renewed in the spirit of your mind, NIV, in the attitude of your mind, you can already see two way different translations. And the New Living Translation is, let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts. Man, if there was a verse that you were going to memorize from the Bible this week, that should be one of them. So let me say it so you can write it down. If you don't have access to the New Living Translation, um, let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. This is a part of the, the renewal process that God is doing in us. And again, this is written to Christians so if you're not a Christian, by becoming a Christian, you begin the renewal process. But then as you live as a Christian, you're, con you're supposed to continue in that renewal process. So, and, and this is the continuous tense. So you're over and over again being renewed in your thoughts and your attitudes. Now, if you know your Bible, that sounds real similar to what? Romans 12. Two. So let's turn now to Romans 12.2, which is you know, such a fantastic passage. And um, we'll hear how Paul you know, speaks this similar kind of language to the Romans, the people in Rome. And he says, I'm reading out of the New International Version, Do not conform, but be transformed. And here's this phrase by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. Well, before we get to that phrase, it's very important we understand what he means by the first phrase. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Now, this is an incredible truth that Paul is pointing out. He is helping us see that all of us, remember I've said this several times, all of us are being spiritually formed at every moment. Uh, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're religious or not, every human being is being formed. Notice that the words conformed in verse 2a and then transformed in 2b. The key word there is the, the word formed. All of us are being formed, shaped. Most people are being are conformed by the media today by the things we see on the internet, the things we listen to um, in the CDs or the tapes or the, the, you know, the feeds that, are in, that we're listening to or the, the sites we visit, all this media, and it's, it's powerful, it's wonderful. I mean, isn't the Bridge Fest sponsored by a radio station called The Bridge? I'm not, I'm not from New Jersey. So that's media. And so they've picked up on this idea of, of broadcasting truth and powerful things that can form us but there's other things that conform us as well. So we have the ability to choose what forms our mind. This is part, again, of what it means to be made in the image of God. You have the ability to think, to choose, to act. You are not a victim. Now, a lot of people live as if they're victims. Well, I can't help it. It's just the way I was raised. I just, I can't help it. It's the way my parents were. I can't help it. It's just the way that, that God made me. Boy, we're hearing that a lot too. I can't help it. It's the way God made me. God gave you the capacity to think, to perceive, to choose, to decide. It's what it means to be made in the image of God. So you need to exercise that ability. But I'm about to tell you some things they're going to blow your mind. <laughs> and literally, I mean blow your mind. Because not only has God made us to be people who are people of spirit, we're, we're a spiritual being with, human, with, with, with bodies, more than we are, you know, uh, bodies with spirits. We're spirits. So we're made in spirit. We're made with minds to think. We, we, we have the ability to choose, decide. But God has made our brains, our minds... Paul says, renew your mind. That's the thinking apparatus of your brain. Renew your minds. And Paul says in Ephesians 4, be, renew the spirit of your mind. So what's happening in our mind? What's happening in our brains that helps us understand this renewing process? Well, <laughs> the best way for me to explain how that renewal process happens is to explain how your brain how your mind has been deformed. Paul says, don't be conformed to the world. There's a process that's happened in your life, and some of you don't realize this. <laughs> don't, be, don't throw things at me, but you are all deformed. <laughs> Just look at your neighbor and say, do it with an attitude, say, you're deformed. Have some fun. <clears throat> okay, that's enough. Okay, you're getting carried away. <laughs> you, you, you really like that. Hallelujah. <laughs> Why are you deformed? Little three-letter word, sin. Sin has deformed our mind. It's distorted our thinking. When Adam and Eve fell, they introduced, they embraced, they drank deeply of this lie of the evil one that then began to infect the whole of God's creation. Not just human beings, but all creation has been stained, has been deformed, has been distorted by sin. Sin is a lot a bigger deal than we realize. And it has, it has broken us. It has deformed us. And... For us to understand a biblical understanding of humans, we need to understand we're made in the image of God, we're glorious, but we've been ruined by sin. So we're this glorious ruin. C.S. Lewis came up with that phrase. We're this glorious ruin. We're not so ruined that we've lost our glory. In other words, we are still made in the image of God. 
So sin did not rob us of that being made in the image of God. We're still made in the image of God, and that brings us hope. Because we're made in the image of God, there's a capacity in us, a muscle, an ability in us to be transformed, or as Paul says in Romans 8, 29, to be conformed to the image of God, of Christ, to be more like Christ. So when sin deformed us, God already knew that was going to happen, and he had a plan to redeem us and to transform us. So that's coming. There's hope. But right now, we're all these glorious ruins, and we are being conformed to the patterns of this world all around us. The only way that we can stop being conformed to the pattern of this world is to realize we're being conformed and to stand against it. If you don't take a stand against the forming processes of this world, you will get sucked right into it. Guaranteed. You've got to take a stand against that. That's part of why I'm preaching and that's why I'm already jacked up because this is, this is an exciting truth. You can take a stand. God's wired you and equipped you with everything you need to take a stand against that being conformed to the ways of the world, the pattern of this world. But, not only have you been deformed by sin, but that deformation, that distortion, created a pattern in you that made, gave you a predisposition to choose sin. Theologians call this original sin. You are predisposed because of Adam's fall, because of Adam and Eve's sin. Now, part of what it means to be a human is that I'm predisposed to sin. That is, to choose a, a way that seems right, but the end of that way is... Y'all know Proverbs 14, 12? There's a way that seems right to a person, but the end is death. That's original sin. With my fallen deformed thinking, I look at that and I go, oh, that looks good. That must be good for me. It's a way that seems right, but since my understanding has fallen, since my processing has fallen, since it's deformed, I don't realize, actually, no, that's bad for me. Or actually, it's good for a moment. That, that is, it feels good, but there's a sting in it. There's death in that. And so with this propensity to sin, I choose, I move in those directions, and that damages me. So I'm deformed by sin, and I'm damaged by my own choices. That's, I'm, we're going deeper into the hole. I'm deformed by sin, and I'm damaged by choices. I said damaged by my choices. I'm also damaged by the choices of people around me. And this is where our parents come in. This is where people who are close to us, people who have influence into our lives. Remember how we talked about how we're shaped by significant people? And we talked about the positive shaping a couple, week, couple days ago, a couple weeks ago, <laughs> a couple days ago. We're shaped by the positive significant people and we're shaped by the negative significant people. So, so when you're young, well actually your, your whole life, people make decisions that affect you. As a parent, you make decisions that affect your children. I have shuddered as I've thought about some of the things I've said and done to my children. And I've said to them, I am so sorry. And they always say, Dad, you know, we apologized back then. So we forgive you. I know, I'm just like, oh, You know, because I'm not a perfect parent. I've, I've screwed up. I've said things in a fit of anger. I've said things out of exasperation. I've done things. I'm like, oh, I've, I've damaged my children. And so have you. <laughs> Every parent except for God, the Father. Every parent has damaged their children, but not only by our parents, but by our siblings, by teachers, by professors, by bosses. And, and I'm not talking about the classic, you know, like sexual abuse or emotional abuse. I'm just talking about the normal damage that happens in human relationships. And then, of course, add to that the other kinds of abuses and damage that I just referred to, the sexual, the, the, the emotional damage. And, man, we're messed up. <laughs> the human beings who are 
distorted by sin and now damaged by sinful choices, that's, that's, a, that's a mess. But God has a plan. But before we get to it, further. And this is, this is going to give you so much hope when I explain this process. Um, the way that God has made our brains is... And, and this is incredible. Uh, scientists have only begun to discover this in the last 70 years. Think about this. Think of all this, the scientific research that's been done over the, the millennial. And only in the last 70 years have neural scientists, so neural is brain, referring to the neurons in the brain, so neural scientists have began to understand how the brain works. And if you think this is boring, just hang with me. This is incredibly relevant to how you get renewed in your mind. God's made us. This is God's way. God's made us so that these, these neurons in our brain are just firing. They're like little, little electrical impulses. You have over, every human being has over two, over a hundred billion neurons in their brains. And one of the ma massive discoveries that the scientists began to make about 75, 80 years ago is that for the longest time, they assumed that just like the rest of our body, as we get older, we stop growing. So, you know, you grow like crazy as an infant, toddler, you know, elementary, up to teenager. Then you slow down, you get to an adult, you stop growing. And they looked at that, at all these millions of physical bodies, and assumed that must be what happens in the brain. Exactly opposite. The brain is always growing. Because uh, if there's a hundred billion neurons firing, like two, 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 as they're firing, they're, they're firing to a thought. They're firing to a feeling. They're firing to an experience, something you saw, something that you tasted. Every thought, every feeling, every experience, every action, all these things are about the firings of the neurons and they cause the firings of these neurons. So a hundred billion of them firing 200 times per second. Come on, get, get your hands around this. There's a hundred billion neurons that God created in your brain. Those a hundred billion neurons are firing at the rate of 200 times per second. Come on. Do the math, and there's quadrillion of things happening, and that's always happening in the brain. It's incredible. And when the scientists started seeing this, they're like, what in the world? This isn't a young brain. This isn't an old brain. So that's why you, you can teach an old dog new tricks. The, the brain can learn. The, the word for this is neuroplasticity. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Neuroplasticity which means that the brain is flexible, it's moving, it's growing, it's expanding, it can learn new things. It's always taking new things on. Now here's the bad news. Well, not yet, not yet, one more thought. So, so what happens in, with these neurons is when, um, let's, I'll use the illustration of ice cream. When the first time, I love ice cream. First time I saw ice cream, I didn't know how amazing it was. I didn't know it was heavenly food. I didn't know it was the Hebrew translation of manna. It's not, but in my mind it is. And I can make stuff up if I want. Um, but, you know, I, uh, I was given ice cream, and so my, the neurons saw this, this wet, creamy stuff. Okay, I saw that. Then the taste neurons. Whoa! And now, here's the, th here's the phrase. Neurons that fire together, wire together. I didn't make that up, even though that's pretty cool, isn't it? Donald Hebb, a neuroscientist from 1949, is the first one that saw that in the brain research. Neurons that fire together, and there's a two, 100 million, a billion in there. Neurons that fire together, wire together. So, in other words, uh, when I see ice cream, I remember how good it tasted, how good I felt, and my little neuron, uh, neurons inside go, ooh, I want more of that. And a neural pathway gets formed. These neurons 
fire together, then they wire together, and they create a pathway. And the next time I get, I see ice cream, and I go, ooh, I want some, and I have it, and it's good, that neural pathway gets reinforced. And the more times I eat ice cream, the stronger that neural, neuron, neural pathway, it becomes a strong pathway in my brain. So I don't even need to see ice cream now. All you need to do is start forming the words, I, I, and I'm with you, man, woo! No one ever has to ask me, do I want to get ice cream? The question is, what kind of ice cream? You, don't waste your time asking me, do I want ice cream? I, I was with Jamie the other day, and he, I, I said, can we get some ice cream? He goes, Jim, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. It's, it's morning. We don't get ice cream in the morning. Well, I do. <laughs> so, you know, we, we get ice cream, uh, and it you know, makes me alive, you know? Now, think about all the experiences in your life that make you alive, that make you feel good. All the good experiences all the bad experiences. The neural pathways, the neurons that God created in your brain, they are not, um, they have no morals. They don't care whether you're giving them good input or bad input. They just work and the neurons you know, flash and, they, and the impulses go, they get welded together and you have a neural pathway. Now, that's bad news for sin because I've, since I've been damaged by sin, and then I've been, I mean, distorted by sin and then damaged by choices I've made. When I make repeated choices to sin, a neural pathway gets formed in my brain. And my brain says, ooh, that feels good. I want more of that. I'll just go right for the top. That's the power of pornography. Because that experience of, of seeing that image my eyes see that trans, you know, uh, the neurons trans, you know, going off like crazy. And then, you know, the feeling, the dopamine that's released, that's dope, gets released in my mind. And so what I see and what I feel, a neural pathway gets formed. And I'm like, oh, I want more of that. And my brain is like, give me more, give me more. So you go back to see that image again. And it feels good. And the brain is training itself. Or you're training your brain. That's where you feel good. Okay, now let's go, let's, let's, that's intense. Let's go down to eating again. Um, this happens all the time in people's homes. Your kid is sad. They're hurting. They're depressed. As a parent, you can't stand to see your kid feel that way. So you go, let's get some ice cream. Now, that's harmless, right? except for the fact that a neural pathway just got formed. When I'm sad, eating makes me happy, or specifically, eating ice cream. Now, if that gets reinforced, and every time you, you're sad, you eat or eat ice cream, a neural pathway gets developed, and that's the beginning of an addiction, that when I'm sad, I need to shop, I need to eat, I need to drink, I need to buy, I need to go do something. And I don't, this, I'm not thinking about this consciously, but subconsciously, these neurons are firing and neurons that fire together, wire together. I'm developing a neural pathway. So not only am I deformed by sin and damaged by choices, but I am devastated by the repeated patterns that, that wire my brain for sin. Isn't this crazy? Now, that's tragic and sad, but the ho there's hope there because God did not wire you for sin. He wired you to make good choices. So the very same system in your brain that causes you to want to sin is the exact same system that can, you can rewire that enables you to make good choices to rewire your brains. And this is why I, I talked about how our brains are elastic. They can grow. They can develop. You are not a victim to whatever choices you've made. You can rewire your brain. Why? Why? Because of science? Because of God. God made us that way. He made us with the ability to renew our minds. So this, this verse be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And this verse in Romans 12, 2, 12, 2. Be renewed in mind. This is the lifeblood of how I rewire 
those neural pathways. So let's, let's apply this now to our life. Because <laughs> contrary to what you hear sometimes, God and science are not against each other. God and hum humanity, you know, humanism are against each other. But, but science, if we knew everything about science, it would lead us to God because it reflects God. God's an orderly God. So God's made our brains, it's his creation, with these neurons that fire together and then wire together so that we can have hope, so that we can renew our minds, so that we are not victims who once we've done these things and once in a strong neural pathway has developed, we're just now a victim. So I, I always have to overeat. I always have to compulsively buy. I always have to watch pornography. I always have to do this. No, you do not. You have the Spirit of God in you who it wants to work in concert with how God made you. See, so this is not the Holy Spirit, some foreign being who's trying to invade your mind. No, the Holy Spirit is a part of the creation process. Remember how we saw the first, first day, I think it was Monday? Genesis 1-3, uh, God breathed out and said, let there be light. So the Holy Spirit is a part of the creative process. And so he wants to cooperate with the way your neurons work. He's a part of, of the creative process that made that happen. And when we begin to get in sync with him, when we begin to cooperate with how God's made us and how the Holy Spirit's breathing his hope and his life and his truth, we can change whatever behavior we have fallen into. That is a word of hope. So let's talk about that transformation. The first part is how we're conformed by the patterns of the world. We're deformed by sin. We're um, damaged by choices. And we're devastated by the repeated patterns. Now let's talk about this transformation that Paul says. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I've really already explained it to you, but let's get real clear about it. I can choose to do an activity that, is, that at first may seem awkward and, and hard, like the first time you tried to ride a bicycle. That's a good illustration. That's not in my notes, but I'll use that one. Um, so no one gets on a bike for the very first time and just takes off. You're, you're, tra you're, you're training your neural pathways to balance. You're training your neural pathways to, to, you know, to figure out how to do this. But once you've ridden a bike, what's the old saying? Once you know how to ride a bike, you always know how to ride a bike. That's because of the neurons. It's because of the neural pathways. So you can get back on that bike and ride it because you've, you've trained yourself to do this. So remember how we talked about, Paul says, train yourself to be godly? This is the training process. This is the spiritual formation process that is in concert with and cooperation with what God has said. So, we said that the Holy Spirit renews us by the Word of God. Here's, let's go after, for instance... A thinking process. Fear. A lot of people struggle with fear. So finances look uh, sketch, and so I feel fear. I won't have enough. Um, something, somebody says something that triggers fear. I, I, I'm not safe. Um, I get into a situation, an experience, and fear gets written, you know, gets to start flying in my brain, and I'm just, you know, big red letters. Okay, I can... Um, confront that fear with the Word of God. I, I mentioned this passage, Psalm 56.3. When I am afraid, I will trust in God. Nice short verse. So we, when we feel the fear, instead of following the neural pathway of protecting myself or attacking or running, I'm going to create a new neural pathway, and that is when I feel fear, that's my trigger to say out loud, when I feel afraid, I will trust in God. And so I'm utilizing now my mouth, my brain, my feelings, my memory, and I am creating a new neural pathway. Now, the first time I do it, it's not strong because I'm just beginning this neural pathway. But the more I do it, what happens? The same way with sin. The more I do it, the stronger that pathway gets. So the day comes when I don't even have to think to myself, oh, when I'm afraid, I will trust in God. It automatically happens. I need you to affirm what I'm about to say so I'm not crazy. Has anybody ever been driving down the road 
and you're like on the highway or maybe even worse you're going through traffic lights you know on your way home and all of a sudden you kind of snap out and you realize oh my gosh I haven't been paying attention the last five minutes Does that ever happen to anybody else oh good you were driving without paying attention and I mean and you you navigated traffic lights you navigated cars coming in front of you and you did it all without thinking how well, I guarantee you didn't do that the first time you drove. You did it because you've developed neural pathways that enable you to process all that stuff subconsciously. So you're no longer thinking, see here, clutch, okay, clutch left foot. No, I, no, right, no, is it left foot or right foot? Uh, oh, no, yeah, clutch left foot. Okay, hold it, hold in. Okay, um, this lever here, turn, you know, I'm just getting, being ridiculous. All the little things that you got to think about before you do, all that's natural once you have a neural pathway formed. Now that is the hope of how I can create a new neural pathway to trust God when fear comes. Because I can't control whether fear comes into my life. I can't control that. I have no control over the circumstances of my life. But I have complete control over how I will respond. I have control over how I will respond. Say that with me. I have control over how I will respond. Take back that lie that you're a victim, that you can't help it, that that's just the way you are. No! No! God's made you in such a way that you cannot. Now, you can't invent neurons. You can't. You didn't design this. God designed this system, so you're just cooperating with it. So this is not positive thinking. You know, this is cooperating with the Holy Spirit who's made you. It's recognizing that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the masterpiece. You're who you are. God made you as a masterpiece and God's proud of his creation. And so we want to cooperate with that and start using these neurons that he invented, that he put there so we might cooperate them, make the right choices, create neural pathways that create new habits that come, that, with, with, uh, that also bring with them new feelings and over time, this is what a spiritual discipline, over time, I begin to, to, to train my mind along a godly path. Train yourselves to be godly. You see how all these verses are coming together? This is how God designed things. And it's fascinating to me, one more time, science catches up with God. This just keeps happening, you know. We think we made all these discoveries. Oh, no. God designed it this way. And that's why David wrote, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And he didn't even know about neuroplasticity. <laughs> I don't think that's in the Hebrew Bible. So, so now that we're learning this process, we want to begin to use it and create these pathways in our life. Let me, let me chill for a second and tell you a story about my dog Gideon. Um, I had a chocolate lab who was, I'm sorry, but the world's best dog. Not your dog. He was my dog. Chocolate Lab, and he and I had a connection. And um, we would go out into the woods behind our house and walk this path. And the more we walked it, just like a neural pathway, the, the stronger the path came, the smoother the path, the clearer the path. And uh, we would go out in the woods every day, sometimes twice a day, sometimes three times a day, and we would always do the same path through the woods because there's all kinds of nasties out there. And I, that's where I would preach my sermons. Gideon was the holiest dog <laughs> because he was attentive. It was so funny. One time I was, I was preaching away in the woods, you know, and I'm preaching from the Old Testament, and, I, and I'm like, and I, actually it was from the book of Hebrews, and I said while I'm practicing my sermon, and Gideon, and he turned around and went, Whoo! He's listening. He was dialed in, man. So he's a, that dog was sanctified, and that's why God took him to heaven. So um, he died. And I was a mess. I, did, I was shocked at what a wreck I was. I loved this dog. And I, I, I'm not going to talk anymore because I could talk forever about him. And I couldn't go to the old paths. I just... Just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. it. Those are Gideon paths. So a good year, I stayed away from the paths that Gideon and I formed through the woods. 
One day I was just like, I'm going to walk in the woods. And so I went to go walk in the woods. Guess what had happened to the path? It was overgrown. I wasn't even sure where it was. But I'd walked it so many times, I knew the trees and everything. So I'm like, oh my, look at this. Just one year of nobody walking the path. And the path is, you know, it's almost impossible to see. So not only can you create neural pathways by choosing the path to go, but by neglecting godly, healthy, powerful neural pathways, by neglecting those paths, they can grow over and they can, be, they can almost disappear in your life. And so that's why when you you know, have been walking with God and then you begin to backslide and you begin to fall away and then you recommit, you renew, you get revived, you're going back to the ancient paths that Jeremiah talked about. You're going back to paths that you used to walk on that brought you life and brought you joy. Why did you stop taking that path? Well, sin or busyness or neglect. You know, there's a million reasons why we stop taking paths that are good for us. But going back to that path. So it's not only creating new paths, it's being careful not to neglect the, the, the tried and proven paths. And those tried and proven paths are the Word of God. Meditating on the Word of God. Prayer. You know, how many times have you heard a preacher talk about prayer and the Word? Well, I hope a billion, and I hope you never stop hearing it, because those are the tried and proven paths that renew us. There can be no spiritual renewal in your life apart from the Word and prayer. Because it's the, it's the language of the Holy Spirit. That's His world. Do you know the language of the Holy Spirit? And I'm not talking about speaking in tongues. Do you know the language of the Holy Spirit? It's the Word of God. So let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Now think about all these verses you know and now that you know about neuroplasticity, now that you know about how neurons that fire together wire together. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Uh, Psalm 1, 2. Um, the blessed is the one who delights in the Torah of God and who meditates on it day and night. What is that? That's creating a neural pathway that is full of life. So um, we got to wrap this up. Um, let's talk about this whole idea of how the ancient biblical practice of meditation fits perfectly with the latest research, brain research, and these whole neurons and neuroplasticity and neuroscience. Um, so let me start by saying this. You may have heard Eastern religions talking about meditation. Or you may have heard a cult talk about meditation. Most of those define meditation as emptying the mind. I'm emptying my mind. But that's not biblical meditation. Over and over again, the word meditation shows up in the Bible. And it's this word, the idea of ruminating and rolling over my brain, you know, savoring. So when the Bible talks about meditation, it's talking about taking a word or a phrase and rolling it over in your mind. And I, you guys can tell I love ice cream and I love chocolates. So I think it's a sin to eat a good chocolate bar quickly. <laughs> we should take it away from you. you should, if it's good chocolate, you should savor it. It's kind of rolled around in your mouth. Don't just chomp it down and swallow it. Mm, and, and, and use all those taste buds and then do them again. And do it again. And extract all the flavor out of that Hershey bar or whatever your favorite chocolate is. That's meditation. That's rumination. That's, or I use the illustration of marination. You know, putting that meat in the marinating sauce or marinating juice until it takes on the flavor of the marination. Okay, so the Word of God is the marinating juice. You're the piece of beef or pork or chicken or fish. Sweetheart, do you marinate vegetables? Okay, 
So if you're a vegetarian, this works for everybody. You can, can you marinate gluten-free food? See, this is even for those of you who are gluten-free. Get the food, put it in the juice, and marinate. That's what's happening with your brain. You're marinating in the word of... I just smelled something good. Can you smell it? It's like someone just put on the, the barbecue grill or something. Perfect timing. Food trucks. Yeah, I arranged them to be there. Anyway, so, so, this, so um, you're marinating, and you're taking on the flavor of the word of God. So whether it's spiritual breathing, where the Spirit's breathing His life into you, His grace, His power, His presence into you, or whether it's you marinating on the Word of God so that the Word of God begins to affect this piece of meat up here and it begins to flavor your brain, or whether you talk about neuroplasticity, this whole thing we've been talking about of how the neurons that fire together then wire together and you're creating a new neural pathway. All these things are describing the same idea that what you think about determines your life. So if you want to change your life, you've got to renew your thinking. Now, you've heard a pop psychologist say that. You've heard Norman Vincent Peale say that. You've heard popular positive thinker people say that. Well, that doesn't make it not true, even though I don't agree with their whole shtick. If it's truth, it's truth. And God has made our brains put those 100 billion neurons in there so that what I think about affects the way I live my life. You can control what you think about. And you do that, best of all, by meditating on the Word of God. See, meditation is what you do with the Word of God. It's what a person does who's worrying. They're meditating on the fear. They're meditating on this is going to happen. It's what people who are into pornography do. People who are into pornography don't take one glance and then walk away. They stare at it and they, they roll over in their mind. It's, the, it's all the same thing. What do you choose to meditate on, to focus on? What is in your mind rolling around? Because whatever it is, it's firing with all those neurons and you're developing a neural pathway. But that's your choice. And doesn't that give you great hope? And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because all of us probably have some kind of addiction in our life. Some of them are unbelievably powerful, deep and damaging addictions. Others aren't as deep and not as strong, but they're still addictive behavior. No matter what the addictive behavior is, it can be broken by the power of meditating on the Word of God because that's the way God's made you. <clears throat> so all the stuff we've talked about all week long, it, it all comes together in this cooperating with the Holy Spirit who wants to renew your mind, who will renew your mind. Will you cooperate with Him? Will you, um, any, any farmers in here? Uh, okay, so this I won't use the illustration then. Wow. <laughs> Didn't expect that. Um, well, I'm going to use it anyway. <laughs> anybody know, and this is kind of gross, it's kinda, I'm about to get gross here as I close the sermon. Uh, anybody know how cows ruminate? How they chew the cud? Yeah. So they chew the cud, then they swallow it, and then... They throw it back up in their mouth. I'm sorry. My wife's going, really? That's the illustration you wanted to use? But see, that's, that's meditation. That's rumination. They, they bring it back up into their mind. So instead of saying throw up, let's say bring it back up. That's better. So you bring it back up and you think about it again. You bring it back up, you think about it again. That's how meditation works. And as you do that, by the way, cows do that to extract all the nutrients out of the grass. They don't do it because it's a tick or some habit, they do it because that's how they extract the most nutrients from the grass. So we want to extract the most truth, the most nourishment from the Word of God. So we roll it over in our mind. Let's use the savoring the chocolate. We roll it over in our mouth, in our tongue, again and again. So we're extracting all the flavor, all the value, all the beauty of that, all the power of the Word of God as it shapes our minds and our hearts. So pick a phrase. Like the Lord is my shepherd, I don't have need of anything. 
Ruminate on that. Savor it. Meditate on it. Marinate in it. Create new neural pathways. And especially do that when you feel fear, when you feel like you have some needs, when you feel like God's not taking care of you. Because what you want to do is associate the feelings of fear, the feelings of lack, the feelings of uh, anxiety. You want to associate that with the Word of God so that it overcomes that, so that whenever you feel fear, your mind has been trained to go to the Word of God. And if you keep doing that, you don't have to discipline yourself because you have disciplined yourself. You've trained your mind. So this is amazing. So when fear comes, bam, you go. Your brain has been trained to go. When I'm afraid, I will trust in God. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't have need of anything. And this is the role of the Holy Spirit. He reminds us of everything Jesus said. You can train your mind the Holy Spirit will cooperate with you and you will be renewed in the spirit of your mind and you will become more and more like Jesus. This is the way he made you. So, let's pray. God, as we wrap up this week, as we wrap up this day, this, this morning, I pray, Holy Spirit, even this moment, would you breathe into us your truth. Lord, there are people here who are so captive to damaging ways of thinking. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would release them, you would free them from that. And with this new truth, they would begin to create new neural pathways and you would help them rewire their brains, rewire their minds, and in so doing, you will renew their mind by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, breathe into everyone here your presence, your power, your spirit and renew us. And the first couple of times we're trying this, it's not going to feel good, it's not going to feel exciting, but keep, may we be disciplined, may we keep coming, may we keep doing it. And God, by the power of your word, and by the faithfulness of your character, <laughs> recreate us reform us transform us like Jesus for we pray in his holy name and all God's people said amen, amen. all right thank you for listening for more about attending bible study worship or additional programs offered by the Ocean Grove Camp Meeting Association. And for social media links, go to oceangrove.org.